Welcome to the Pop Culture Anthropologist, where we have deep conversations about everything from fictional characters to faith and life. This is a show designed for people who love to skip the small talk. My name is Rachel Strange. I'm not a real anthropologist, but I have a lot of fun pretending to be one. On today's episode, I'm joined by an old friend of mine, Nathan Douglas Yoder. Nathan is an illustrator and designer residing in Seattle, Washington with his wife, Catherine. An Oklahoma native, Nathan specializes in traditional forms of illustration, as well as hand lettering and branding. He's contributed to brands like Nike, Element, and Miller Coors. Nathan got on the phone with me last week to talk about what it takes to find one's voice and how the best work is birthed from the desire to make the world better for those around us. He has some great stuff to say, whether you're an artist, designer, or just somebody who wants to make the world around you a little brighter, there's something you can get from what we're going to talk about today. So let's dive in. Uh, Nathan, in the last year, you've made a switch from focusing on one particular style, and you explain that pretty in depth um, in a in a post on your website. So I'll link to that in the show notes. Can you kind of, for our audience, if they haven't read that, explain a little about that change and what you went to, what you were doing to what you're doing now, and kind of why? So I mean, I guess if if anybody's unaware of my work, which I'm sure most people are, <laughs> they uh, what I was doing kind of before. Um, and maybe I'll kind of just rewind to kind of how I even got started and try to make it really fast is, um, when I first got into hand lettering and illustration work, um, I was, I was still pretty young as an artist and as a designer, I was pretty much fresh out of college. And so I was still kind of figuring out who I was and kind of what my voice, uh, was going to end up translating, uh, into on paper, you know? Around that time, I was also just really inspired and influenced by, you know, these other designers that I was seeing doing really great work in the industry. And I, I can't say that I, I was not influenced by some of those guys. Um, and a lot of that stuff uh, kind of carried this kind of biker, like tough guy kind of look, you know, this kind of grungy look. Because that's just what was kind of popular at the time. So I was like, well, hey, like, I'll try this out. It was a lot of fun to do. But then uh, kind of while I was doing that and while I was kind of um, basically trying that on, um, I got a job offer from a company in California. And so I flew out there and worked there for a year. And basically what that did, it kind of locked me into this style that and just kind of put a, a stamp on on me as an artist and said, this is who Nathan is, you know, before I felt like I had really, really kind of done the exploring that I needed to do in order to finally say that for myself. I kind of felt like um, I was just thrown into a position where I had to say that, but internally I felt like I was still working through stuff. But again, with the attention that comes with with all of that, I just felt uh, really comfortable in that style. And so I was like, well, if people like this, then maybe this is kind of who I am, you know, (laughs) and maybe this is what I want to do. But but the more I kind of worked uh, in that style and the more I kind of put off this kind of grungy kind of look, um, just the the more I kind of felt like it wasn't really me because, I mean, 
for the most part, I'm a pretty happy person. <laughs> and I, I think I'm probably the furthest you can get from kind of a tough guy persona. Like, I, uh, I don't know. I like to read books and have fun and laugh more than kind of putting up uh, just kind of a a front that says I'm untouchable or kind of exclusive, you know? So, um, I was like, if, if that's what I believe and if, if I, if I believe in a lifestyle that is more inclusive than exclusive, then why am I preaching this exclusive vibe through my artwork? And I just, it it was kind of a contradiction. And so, especially after meeting my now wife, um, I feel like she really, just getting to know her really kind of reconnected me with who I've always been. It was just kind of the uncanny way that meeting, you know, uh, the right person does that, you know, just because she reminded me so much of of home and growing up uh, just in the person that she is. Um, uh, for whatever reason, it just, it kind of reminded me of who I was and, and I, it, it kind of exposed me in a way that she was even unaware of doing for kind of the phony that I was starting to kind of be, you know? And so I was like, okay, I've got to do something. I was like, you know, again, the work that I was doing was working and it was getting me a lot of work, but I was like, am I willing to dedicate the rest of my life? You know, if I'm a solo artist, am I, willing to dedicate the rest of my life to what I've kind of come to realize, uh, isn't me. And, and, uh, so it was a really scary move, but I decided that, you know, I had to do something. And so it was, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny cause it's, I, I changed things up, but really if you kind of look into my work, it's not necessarily that I changed like my illustration style per se. It's almost more of the subject matter and I'm kind of, uh, throwing in some different techniques. So because, I mean, I've always worked with a pen, and I've always really liked line work and kind of tattoo-inspired stuff. So I'm still pulling from that kind of simplistic line work and kind of uh, hard lines and kind of tattoo-inspired coloring and things like that. But it's more about the subject matter and how I'm portraying myself. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get back to a fun-loving kind of whimsical spirit just because uh, I, I feel like that's just more me, you know, that comes a little more naturally. So, man, I love that about, um, how meeting someone kind of made someone new kind of made you realize how you weren't being who you'd been in the past. That's cool. So do you, what has been like the best and the worst of that change? Um, like what's been good, what's been bad of that change? Uh, start with the bad and end on the good note, I guess, you know, <laughs> it's like uh, just the immediate, thing which I saw coming was just the fact that um, especially kind of in the creative industry and if you're a solo artist then uh, people look for consistency you know especially say like an art director or a client that wants to hire you they want to know that when they invest in you and they're spending you know this hard-earned money and and trusting you with this brand that they've spent years to kind of build they're hoping that whatever they hire you to do is somewhat predictable. You know, it's like they don't want you to come back with something that's just totally off the wall. And so I think making the switch uh, may have made me lose some trust with some people. And so I, I think work slowed down for a little while, just while people, I think, were trying to figure out, like, what I was doing. Because, you know, say the people who were following my work before, uh, they probably weren't going to be interested in the newer work I was doing because it was more, it was basically the opposite. It was not dark and grungy. It was like bright and colorful, you know? <laughs> so, um, 
Um, but then with uh, maybe people that my more current work could appeal to, um, I kind of have to earn their trust. So it's not like, it's kind of just like walking into a room and like leaving the room you were in where it was one kind of group of people that had certain tastes and likes and walking into a new room and hoping that they all treat you with respect and, you know, trust right away. So it's like, I think I was kind of losing somewhat some of the trust that I had in the other room and trying to earn it as I walked into a new room. And so there was just kind of a lull where there wasn't a lot of work um, coming in. And that just happened to also be shortly after I got married. And there are a lot of bills that come in, you know, when you get married. <laughs> so it was a little scary. Um, but kind of on the flip side, uh, things are starting to pick up now. And so that's been comforting. And it just feels more like me. And so it's just so refreshing to kind of walk into projects feeling like I'm not having to put up some facade or kind of uh, pretend to be somebody who I'm not. Very cool. Was there like one key moment where you're like drawing something or working on something and you were just going, what am I doing? This isn't me. Or was it like a slow progression? Um, it was a bit of a, a slow progression. And I think a bit of a just being honest with myself, because I think I had kind of known that it wasn't necessarily me for probably around a year or something, you know, because there is kind of when I first got started, when I was still kind of you know, trying to find my voice. It's like, I, I can't look back on those years and say they were dishonest because as a young artist, when you're exploring something that you may not be doing years down the road, you can't see in that moment that this is not you. It's like, it's all part of the process of just discovering who you are. It's like, if we were all able to see 10 years down the road or even just three years down the road, then we would be all knowing, <laughs> you know, it's like we would be wise from the get go. And it's like, that's not how life works. And so I think just as time progressed, uh, I, I slowly started to kind of see it's like, okay, uh, this isn't necessarily working um, in, in all aspects. It's like, I could keep doing the same things over and over again. But as I'm trying to evolve within this kind of style and in this persona, it's just because it's not me, I'm not able to evolve because I've been kind of like working off of some some foundation that had been laid that I hadn't laid you know so so yeah I was getting to a point where I was trying to explore and, and try new things and and it hit to a certain extent at one point you know it's like I'd thrown so many different kind of styles out there that somebody would email me and want to work with me and they would have one thing in mind and then I'd email them you know kind of a sketch or something that I finished for them and they'd be like oh like i you know, kind of like what I was talking about before, art directors wanting something predictable. It's like I was kind of just uh, off the cuff for a little bit um, while I was trying to kind of just figure out like where I was going. It kind of just, I slowly kind of stumbled into it as I feel like most things go with life. But uh, yeah, I kind of just kind of retraced my steps a bit. And to a certain extent, kind of like I said, with line work and the things that initially inspired my work, I kind of went back to the beginning a bit and, and just started drawing for fun trying to kind of incorporate those things that I've learned about myself over the past few years. And that's kind of, again, just kind of how I, how I landed where I'm at now, you know? Yeah. When you're, when you're doing that, when you've made something and maybe the p people aren't receptive to the work that you're creating, how do you get yourself to push forward in that process of saying, well, like this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm excited about it. And it feels like me. 
and you know you're trying to make a living like you said right like you you had bills you had all that stuff so how do you keep pushing with I guess your true vision when it comes to like what you want to work on when maybe you get pushback from the circumstances you know uh, being a designer and being an artist I feel like is kind of that balance that we're talking about right now because um, as an artist you're expressing yourself and so uh, that that's why we really enjoy an artist's work is because we're seeing into a world that that we're kind of unaware of it's like if if that artist was creating artwork that looked exactly like mine then I would be uh, disinterested in that artist's work because that's what I do you know what I mean so I an artist uh, is always trying to find, kind of be introspective in the sense of like trying to find the best way to communicate what's happening internally. It's like emotionally or just kind of like these thoughts that the artist has. And then on the other hand, a designer is a service to another person. And so more or less totally detached from art, design is serving a need. So it's all about the client. It's like, what does the client need? How can I solve their problem? And a good designer, you know, again, if we're speaking detached from art, uh, you know, some might argue that you can't do that, but it's like functionally 100% like kind of functional design is always going to bury or hide the designer who made it because it's, it's uh, putting the purpose of that design at the forefront of whatever it is. So it's like road signs or, you know, um, packaging or things that are, you know, it's like they're getting people where they need to be. They're giving, it's giving people the information they need. It's not about the design. It's not about the designer. It's about solving the problem. So where I feel like I'm kind of at and, and where a lot of people are, I think, or at least trying to be right now with social media, they've kind of found, we've kind of found now on social media that we can be, we can be artists and designers and people will hire us for that combination. It's like they, people are, companies are wanting to, to look less designy, which is 100% function. Like we want your money and they want to look artistic. Uh, they want to look self-expressive. And so they're trying to combine those things. So that's where I feel like this new kind of era of like, which it's been there in the past, but I feel like right now it's really big to kind of have this kind of design and art combination so companies feel a little bit more personable, you know? So while people are trying to figure out how to be an artist designer, um, I think it's really easy to start being, you know, really self-absorbed and and self-centered and and just thinking about yourself. It's like, how can I, you know, monetize uh, this? And, and I think that's the best way, the fastest way to kill your artistic spirit, you know? Um, I kind of talked about how, you know, meeting my wife kind of reminded me who I am. I think I think our identities are less found in us doing our own searching of, like, who we are. And they're more found in our interactions with other people and, and helping other people. So, again, it kind of goes back to that balance of art and design where it's like, if we're not... We can be an artist and we can express ourselves, but if we aren't relating with others um, and we aren't kind of in communication with others and in community with others, then then kind of what what's the purpose of our lives? You know, it's like if we're just making our name for ourselves, is that better than helping others? It's like, uh, 
personally, I don't think so. So I think for me, anytime I've stumbled into an artistic style or direction or something that I've come to accept, it's been out of kind of some desire to try to connect with people. So with my art now, you know, it's like I'm always kind of looking for ways that I can relate with somebody else. It's like, what's an experience that somebody else is going through and how can I show them kind of my take on that experience, you know? And so I I think, you know, as an artist, whoever you are, if you're like a writer or a musician or a designer, I think the fastest way or the easiest way to find yourself is to try to kind of like find a need or find some pain that needs soothing. You know, it's like some people or a group of people or some friends or just your community that needs help and and use your gift to help those people. And I think it's in kind of pouring out that we are kind of filled. You know, it's kind of that contradiction of like lose your life to find it. And I, I, it's kind of like a teacher teaching a subject. When, when they're teaching, they're finding they're learning more about the subject than more or less when they were taught the subject. It's like, so the same thing with your life. I almost feel like when you're using your life to spill into others, you all of a sudden start learning all these things about yourself. And I think as an artist, that's such an inspiring way to grow as to kind of bring other people in on the process and and use your artwork to help others, you know? So it seems like you're kind of saying like some of those cliches about artists you know like oh you need to like go and hide in a room and just make art and eventually you'll come out with something good like for you at least you found that that's definitely you create better when you are in community with others is that kind of like what you're saying if not kind of being in community with others it's more of like just community in mind you know it's like I definitely need friends Uh, And I need to be hanging out with people. And that's honestly kind of been a hard thing about kind of moving away from home or moving so many times is that I've kind of left all these pockets of really great people in the different places that I've moved away from, you know, there's just so much of, of friendship that kind of fills me back up and makes me feel inspired when I get back to work, you know, and when I am working, I, I, you know, uh, drawing is a, a pretty, you can't really do that with a bunch of people, you know, it's like there's kind of only one pin and only one person can hold it at a time, you know, but I'm always working with others in mind, you know, it's if, but as soon as I start working with myself in mind, like how is this artwork or how is this, this piece going to boost me? It's like the soul is sucked out of it, you know, but as, as soon as I'm forgetting myself and thinking about how this artwork is going to help somebody else, it's like, that's where the good stuff happens, I think. So I guess my next question is, so if there's anybody out there who feels stuck in something that isn't them, whether that's a job more generally, or I know for you it was a design style, what would be your advice to them on how to step out of that? You know, I have my own experiences trying to speak in really general terms. I think for me, the way I process things is kind of like this internal dialogue where I just kind of ask questions, you know? (laughs) So I, for me, you know, it was like, I I felt uncomfortable, like there was something going on that wasn't working. I just started kind of going down this chain, this checklist of questions. It's like, so why isn't this working? Well, it's because of this. And well, then if this isn't working, then why aren't you moving past it to do this? And it's like, well, because of this. And it's like, okay, so we need to fix this so that we can fix this and this, you know? (laughs) So 
I think it would just be kind of do some soul searching a little bit, you know, and try to figure out, you know, what needs to change in order to make a difference, you know, you know, not to kind of go backwards too, too much. But I think I would also start with just asking myself, what are my reasons for wanting to change? Because I think if your number one reason for wanting to change what you're doing or leave your job or change your style or find a style, it's like if your number one reason for wanting to do those things is to be noticed or to gain some kind of uh, recognition or attention, then I could just tell you right now to just maybe... I don't know if it sounds bad, but stop trying for a little bit Um, just because it's going to be really frustrating. It's kind of like the feeling that I got uh, when I was looking for someone that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. It's like I spent all these years so desperate to find that person. And that's kind of how I, I feel a lot of people approach finding their style and their voice. It's like they're so desperate and so they're they're like dating all these people and they're trying on all these different illustration styles or musical styles or writing styles. But as soon as you get to the point where you just give up and you're just like, you know what, whatever, I, I, I could care less. I'm just going to live my life and try to do it the best I can. All of a sudden, I feel like that's when my wife showed up and I was able to be myself because I wasn't so self-centered and so self-aware that I couldn't be myself. It, again, it's it's the contradiction. It's like, forget about yourself so you can find yourself. And I think as an artist, it, it's the same thing. It's like, just draw for the fun of it. I think that as a kid, kids are drawing with their crayons because they're wanting to have a good time and they want to draw something nice for mom. You know, it's they're not drawing it because they want to get paid or they want to get more allowance. <laughs> you know, it's like they're doing it for fun. So... I think we've been given these gifts to kind of for our enjoyment, yes, but also for others. And so make sure that's kind of your your number one. And from there, you can start asking your questions as far as like what styles would work for me or blah, 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 you know. Man, I think that thing about what did you love as a kid is so important. So many people that I like listen to have been saying that lately. Like, What did you love as a kid? What, what did you love to do? What did you love to create? And uh, like I've been thinking about that, man, what did I love as a kid? And I don't know, like I had a kind of a weird childhood in some ways. Like I was an oldest sibling and I was always like taking care of my siblings. And so I almost have to be like, what did I actually like? But I think it's such a good question. Well, and I mean, just to hit on that really quick, cause, uh, growing up, my brother, you know, uh, he, that was a question he was always kind of asking himself is like, he, he never had a very, um, uh, his gift never manifested itself in this very flashy kind of external way. And so growing up with me drawing and, and every my gift being very visual, it's like you could see the result of what I did really quick and people were quick to are quick to praise those immediate things like music or art, uh, or, or, uh, when I say art, uh, like drawing um, or writing. Um, but those aren't the only gifts in the world, you know, uh, my brother is like one of the most like kind, just like just relatable kind of people person type of people that I've I've met, you know, and, and I, I genuinely believe that that's his gift. And I think gifts like that get overlooked so quickly nowadays. And so I would just say, don't try to don't limit yourself to the visual gifts. You know, it's like, if you grew up, if you if you are asking yourself those questions, it's like what 
what is going to work for me? What is the tool that God's put in my hands? If you find yourself flourishing in these kind of social environments, then maybe your gift is just the fact that you can communicate and relate with people. It's like, I, I wouldn't overlook that, you know? No doubt. And kind of along those lines of communicating and relating to people, um, in April, you wrote an essay uh, titled Knock Before Entering. It's about communication and um, how, like, online, you know, it gives us the, I don't know if opportunity is the right word, but the ability to um, say what we want to strangers. And I think probably many of us have been guilty of at least being tempted to say what we wanted to strangers. I've been guilty of saying things to strangers and being like, why did I say that? That was dumb. But uh, but you, you directed it especially to Christians, but I think there's wisdom in it for anybody. But can you tell me um, what specifically prompted that essay by chance? Well, I think it was just kind of a combination of uh, kind of like what you were saying, like seeing kind of the kind of the climate of social media um, and also just in my own kind of devotional times, like reading scripture and specifically reading about the life of Christ and, and reading his words specifically. Um, there was just a big contradiction there, I feel, to an extent, not not going to just put a blanket over the entire church, of course, you know, but just you know, generally speaking, Christians can, can fall into the trap of uh, feeling like, you know, we have the right answers and the rest of the world is wrong. And so I'm going to, you know, tell you how it is, you know? And so I think, so people get really frustrated at that. And I get frustrated at that when, when Christians are doing that. Um, But then when I go to scripture and I'm reading, you know, the way Christ interacted with people, I don't I don't see a hint of that. It's like he was God, like he was the son of God, and he didn't carry himself in that arrogant manner, you know? It's like, and the people that he was being hardest on were those who should have known better. They were the, they were more or less the Christians. And so I think, uh, and he showed so much grace and kindness and patience with those who, who didn't believe in what he believed. And so, that that was kind of the point of writing that that essay was to kind of just kind of like a letter to you know the brothers and sisters and just kind of being like guys like let's let's just be careful you know that we're not turning people off from Christ because we're talking to them like they should know better and i think that's the biggest difference there is like if if i you know let's say like i grew up in oklahoma and eating habits in oklahoma it's just like comfort food, you know, it's like, uh, I, I didn't hear about diets and vegan and eating healthy until I was like, you know, 18 or something like that. It's just like non-existent in Oklahoma, you know? And so it's like, yeah, like I can't imagine if I walked in somewhere and was like, um, do you guys have any vegan options? And they'd be like, yeah. what, what is that? <laughs> so me being totally unaware of like what it, what it means to eat right. If I, you know, when I moved to California and now especially being in Washington, it's like, it's it, like, it's the total opposite. It's like, yeah, it's just so many people are aware and uh, very conscious, uh, conscious about what they're eating. And so if I was from Oklahoma, you know, moved to a place like this and all these vegans were just like giving me such a hard time talking to me like I was a vegan when I had never even heard about what that was. <laughs> it's like then... And that's just kind of stupid, you know? So I think as Christians, uh, I think we just need to recognize who we're talking to. And online, we have no idea who we're talking to. And, and conversation, 
you know, happens best when we listen first, you know, be, be slow to speak, quick to hear, you know, it's like, we're told to do that in the Bible. And so on social media, it's really hard to listen, and it's really easy to speak. So I, it's just, it was kind of a word of, uh, it just a reminder, I guess, just kind of hopefully talking to Christians and saying those things. But then hopefully, um, if, if unbelievers, if people who did not believe in Christ read that, hopefully they would get a better idea of who Christ is, because I think so many people who don't know who he is, they're not even going to get, they're not going to touch him with a 10 foot pole because he's been so misrepresented, you know? And so hopefully somebody read that who didn't believe in Christ and got a little better idea of who he was, you know? You also talked about, and we kind of touched on this when people get really knowledgeable about something, it's very easy for them to um, kind of have this, like, well, I have this figured out, and so you just need to listen to me, and if you're not going to listen to me, like, whatever, you know, and, and, and to talk down, like, I thought that the the veganism uh, example is a pretty good one, but, uh, like, how do we find that balance of still being people who become knowledgeable about things, whether that's, I mean, diet, I guess, or faith, or political stuff, or whatever, um, but not letting that knowledge make us proud in how we interact with people it's like again I could kind of only speak from what I've known to be true for me so it's like I would have to approach it from like a Christian perspective and say that everything in life always comes back to my uh, association with Christ and and so therefore the way I anything that I'm studying um, not even just the Bible it's like if I'm studying art or design or talking, uh, looking at like my, my motorcycle, like trying to figure out what works best there. If you're like knowledge is kind of reading and, and kind of growing an understanding of something, it's all happening in your head. We're just collecting information, you know, that's very cold, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not connected to the heart. You know, again, from a Christian perspective, Jesus was all all grace and all truth. And so he was all head smarts and like all heart. And he had both of those things. And you can't be all one or you can't be all the other. You have to find the balance. And I think for me, kind of constantly reminding myself of of uh, how weak I am without without a savior. It's like I I can I can communicate to my will all day and tell myself, you need to do this. You don't need to do this. You need to wake up earlier. You need to have a better uh, schedule. Um, but that's all just information, and it's not connecting or resonating with my heart, you know, and and kind of like, like AA meetings. You know, it's like admitting that you have a problem. It has to be a heartfelt thing before you can make a difference. And I think uh, where the message of Christ is so important for me is seeing that that I am a sinner and that he has saved me. Um, and if you need any more kind of, um, if you need that to be any more real, if, if you believe in the, in the gospel, then that means that a real life human being died. Like imagine somebody standing right beside you and they just died because to take on, you know, the, the things that you have done wrong, you know? And so in order for that to really affect you, you have to believe in sin and you have to believe that there is bad in the world that we're all guilty of. And that somebody had to pay for that um, eventually. And so when I look at that and I think of all the things that I've done wrong in the past and uh, think of the fact that somebody died to cover those things, 
it's pretty humbling. And so I think life is a gift and, you know, God and Christ, he's the, the gift giver. And so I can't take this life that I've been given and just lord it over other people and say that I'm better than them because it's not mine to begin with. And so I think that bleeds into everything that I do, whether it's art or learning about, you know, uh, anything. It's like if if I just see it as this information that I'm taking in, the fact that I can understand it, it's all a gift. So what, what uh, place do I have to kind of to put myself over another person. So I think that, that for me is kind of how I kind of check myself uh, on that. In the essay, you say, uh, you could say that art allows the artist to have a conversation with several people all at once. And that's what I want to do, have conversations. It is only through conversations that we can begin to understand the perspective, their perspectives of others in order to communicate with them the way that art does. Art dives deep into the heart and quickly. And I know that wasn't your main kind of point of that essay, but how do you hope that happens in your art? Being an artist, it's like, or appreciating art of somebody else. The thing that I enjoy about it is the fact that I'm getting a glimpse into their life, like their artwork their music or whatever it, it's it's the soundtrack or it's the picture book you know to their internal life in some way you know a lot of times you know it's also very kind of heartfelt uh, if especially if art is communicating some kind of a pain uh, none of us want to be in pain and so especially when we look at art that that carries some weight to it that has this pain kind of attached then we have a, a real good way of kind of feeling the honesty in that. Um, so I, I guess I, I just say all that to say a message can be conveyed through artwork just a lot faster. We can let it in a lot faster than if somebody is just kind of preaching, uh, preaching down to us or something like that, you know? So I think if I share some image, you know, that communicates something kind of heavy or something like that, uh, but also leaves it open to the viewer to kind of associate uh, meaning to it themselves. It's kind of like, it's it almost respects their free will. You know what I mean? It's like they have a, a choice. They can, they can look at it, they can look into it, or they can walk away from it. It's not holding them there. And so just by that alone, like I think art gives the viewer... It respects the viewer's authority to kind of uh, ability to kind of question what's even being done or said in the artwork, you know. So, and again, kind of like what I was saying with conversations, I, uh, hopefully it's kind of a dialogue. Uh, it's kind of a back and forth. And so it's never a complete conversation. Of course, art can, art is kind of a one way thing to an extent, you know, if, if you're just listening to it or, or looking at it without the artist being present to kind of ask a question. But but it's at least kind of, I don't know, there, there's several artists that I follow whose work that I really respect, and I've never met them in person, but just following their work over the course of time, I start to feel like I am like getting to know this artist. You know, you start to get bigger and bigger glimpses into their life and how they see the world. Over time, you kind of build that relationship with the artist in a way that 
you know, all of these pieces that they've created have given me a glimpse into their life and it's given me a glimpse into their heart. And I think it's that following is that conversation because otherwise if we're just meeting a stranger on the street, it's just like this one-time interaction and then we're gone, you know. Conversation takes a long time and it takes a long time to get into people's, get to the deep stuff, you know, and have deep conversations with people. And art just does that really quick because, again, it's like, it's your choice, uh, it's your decision as to whether or not you're going to uh, kind of go deep or not, you know, with yourself. And I don't know. Uh, that That's, again, hard to put into words, but uh, ho- hopefully that somebody gets some idea of what I'm no, man. saying there. That's good. Cool. Um, and uh, along those lines, do you have any, I guess, specific moments or, or stories about when some piece of art that you've created allowed you to have a conversation with someone that you might not have had otherwise? Like a little while back, I had shared kind of this piece where there was kind of this guy like kind of floating more or less kind of in space. And there was kind of like he was, it was kind of a silhouette in like three different colors, kind of like this uh, idea. I was kind of um, running off of the idea of there being kind of like a light prism, you know, where the white light comes in and then it runs through the prism and it kind of separates out into this rainbow of colors. And uh, I just kind of shared this thought through the artwork in my caption. I was kind of talking about how it's like if our eyes and our ears uh, only can only hear certain wavelengths of sound and, and, and light, then, you know, is it crazy to think that our souls are only picking up on a certain wavelength, more or less, you know, if you will. And so, therefore, there might be something bigger out there that we're unaware of, you know, that there is, you know, this other dimension that, you know, I would call, you know, the spiritual world or heaven or whatever. And so somebody had kind of uh, wrote in there and talked about this book that they thought kind of ran along similar lines. And, uh, so I was like, oh, like I should check that out. And so I ended up listening to the book. I listened to the audiobook, and it was, uh, such an interesting book. I mean, and it was, um, and honestly it wasn't the, what I was kind of alluding to, like it was their perspective. So it was, the book was just kind of a little more like out there and, it wasn't a Christian perspective or anything, um, but I just found it so kind of enlightening. And, and it was just, it was something that I wouldn't have necessarily kind of checked out on my own. But it was, you know, through me throwing out that piece of artwork, this random stranger, you know, kind of throwing out this book, we both interpreted that same idea in two different ways. And we were able to kind of um, share ideas. Earlier this week, Nathan did a collaboration with UNICEF that is all about reminding UN leaders to consider kids when they come together to talk about the refugee crisis this week. The piece is awesome and it's in the show notes. But that's pretty much the definition of what he describes in this conversation. Making art with others in mind. Maybe you are listening and you don't make quote unquote art, but maybe what you do make are good speeches or good living rooms or good meals. Make those things with others in mind. I genuinely believe that God has given us each something to use for good. I hope that you are challenged like I was by this conversation with Nathan to ask yourself what's in your hand. What tools have you been given that allow you to bring some hope to your own corner of the world?
Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Anthropologist. As always, all show notes are located at popcultureanthropologist.tumblr.com. You can follow Nathan Yoder on Twitter or Instagram at Nathan Yoder. You can follow me on Twitter at Rachel J. Strange or the show at PopCultAnthPod. Leave us a review on iTunes and thank you so much for listening.